It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Good afternoon, East Coast. Good morning, West Coast, and welcome to another episode of Raise the Bar Radio here on blogtalkradio.com slash Raise the Bar. My name is Michael McClure, and I'll be your host today, coming at you from Plymouth, Michigan, a little suburb in between Detroit and Ann Arbor. You may better recognize Michigan as the place that spring forgot, or as I like to think of it, the land of perpetual winter, but I'm going to stop complaining about that now because that's not why you're here. We're going to run the show a little bit differently today. Normally, as you'll know if you're a frequent listener of the show, we usually discuss a few current events up front and then we bring on our featured guest. Today, after I mention a couple of really quick reminders, we're going to bring our guest on immediately and get his insights and involve him in the conversation regarding three different issues that have arisen in the past week since we did our last show. So let's start by getting those quick reminders out of the way. I have three of those. First is, two weeks ago we had Stefan Swanepoel on the show, and he talked about an exciting new real estate conference called the T3 Summit. That's happening April 17th through 19th in Las Vegas. You can find out more about that on uh, t3summit.com. Secondly, uh, you can pick up a copy of the Swanepoel Technology Report at retrends.com and get a discount on that for being a listener of this show using the code RTB2013. And then finally, I wanted to remind you of the Twitter for Real Estate course that I created on a website called Udemy. Dot com That's spelled U-D-E-M-Y. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee there. If you check it out and don't like it, it'll cost you nothing. And we're offering nearly a 50% discount for listeners of the show using the code RTB Radio. And again, we want to offer you that discount because we appreciate your support uh, so much. So with that being said, um, I want to introduce today's special guest, and uh, uh, you'll, he really requires no introduction, and I apologize for stammering here, but we're having a little bit of a technical issue with his phone, it appears. So I may have to um, go on for a little bit here, but if you're a frequent listener of the show, or if you're even a casual observer of RE.net, I have little doubt that you're intimately familiar with today's guest. His last visit on our show as a featured guest was October 12th of 2010, which shocked me when I went back and looked that up, but it's true. And rarely a week has passed where his name hasn't been in the news in real estate in one way, shape, form, or another. 
He's a nationally recognized speaker, executive, entrepreneur, creator, blogger, and so much more. He's also a personal friend of mine and just one of the best, most humorous and entertaining people you'll ever meet. Um, I'm hoping he's here with us. Uh, we'll find out in just a second. But please, again, welcome to the show the one and only Chris Smith. Chris, are you there? What's going on, Mike? Can you hear me? I can. You had me. You had me startled there for a second with that text message. You know what? You know, the more you bill yourself as a tech guy, the least likely it is to work, right? <laughs> well, Chris, before we before we uh, get into these three quick topics, we're gonna both of us are gonna discuss. I just wanted to thank you for appearing on the show. Uh, as I just said a second ago, I can't believe it's been two and a half years since you were here. At, you know, in some respects, it seems like it was a week ago, and in other respects, it almost feels like it was a decade ago, because so much has happened since then. And when I think of you and what you've done, and we're gonna we're gonna finish the show by talking about that. When I think about all the stuff you've done during that time, it really makes my head spin. I can't even imagine what it feels like for you. Yeah, I think the last time I was on the show, I had like a le- you know like one less child. You know, it's been that long. So you know, a lot's changed, and you know, I love what's happening with. Uh, you know, actually, I don't know if people know this. We met because of your show. So I was f- trying to find a place to live in New York City when I came back from Brazil, and this was probably 2010, 20, you know, 2009. And uh, I actually stumbled upon your show and listened to like eight or nine episodes in a row, you know, and then we met in person, et cetera. So, you know, I'm a longtime listener. <laughs> Well, you know, Chris, I I recall you did tell me that once before, and I had completely forgotten about that. But I re, yeah, I remember meeting you like like it was yesterday. In fact, how ironic is this? Um, today is Agent Reboot in Seattle, and you and I met at Agent yeah. Reboot in Seattle. Remember that? And, I know. Uh, in fact, ironic. In fact, ironic on a number of levels. <laughs> Exactly, and, and I, I specifically remember because you were the speaker. You spoke twice that day, and you were the speaker that spoke immediately before me. And I remember, you know, I didn't have any idea who you were, and you had this incredible nervous energy in a good way. You were pacing back and forth like a caged lion. You went up on stage, and I wasn't even intending on watching you because I was so, you know, in my own head and so self-absorbed. But I remember watching you, and I was just entranced, and it's like, oh, my God, this kid is so good on stage. And, you know, for me, watching you grow from then to now, it's, it's really amazing and such a testament to the brilliant utilization of technology and social media to build the career that you've built. Cool. Well, thanks so much. We'll get into it. Thanks for having me on. And, you know, some of these topics that you have at the beginning here, you know, you know, one of the things I know that you know about running the Facebook groups is that you don't have to look for stuff. It just finds you. And I just, you know, some of the stuff that's happened in the industry, forget me, you know, between syndication and Redfin and, you know, ZRT. I love when you go in the group and you say there's like a ZYI instead of an FYI. I mean, yeah, you know, exactly. You know, there's been so many things. I'm pumped and, you know, thanks for having me on. And, you know, the first topic you have, I can't even pronounce. So I'm segueing back to you. <laughs> well, the, the, the three topics we're going to discuss briefly are um, things that that have taken place in the past uh, seven days in the Raise the Bar Facebook group. So all of these came to life in the past seven days, and it just goes to show, you know, uh, how much incredible activity happens within these Facebook groups. And, Chris, 
uh, as a side note, Chris and Jimmy Mackin created a couple of other groups that are significantly larger than the one we're referencing here. And I just wanted to tip my hat to your and Jimmy's brilliant um, creation and administration of those groups, the tech support group and the what should I spend my money on group, which are both fantastic groups. But these three topics we're going to talk about right now come from the Raise the Bar Facebook group. And the first one involves something called neuro-linguistic programming. And if you don't know what that is, and, and this is just off the top of my head, so I didn't research this as thoroughly as I should, so I want to admit that, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. The whole idea is to elicit specific behaviors from people based upon the specific language you use. And someone um, within the thread that talked about this likened it to sort of a low-grade form of um, hypnotism. And there's even a video in the thread that shows this guy supposedly manipulating a police officer who he, this guy intentionally got pulled over for speeding just to see if he could use this neuro-linguistic programming to get out of a ticket, and on the video, he does. So the issue, which I'm sure you can all figure out where I'm going with this, is is there a place for this sort of an approach in real estate? Um, Chris and I have not discussed these topics in advance. I really don't know what Chris is going to say, so I'm just going to turn it back to you, Chris, and say, yeah. what are your thoughts on this? Is this a is this something that a real estate professional could, could, should consider, or is it completely out of bounds, or what? Well, I think it's interesting how important words are. So, you, know, you know, this is neuro-linguistic programming, which my dad would have called, like, the gift of gab, potentially, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. honestly, if you're a great salesperson, which I consider myself to be, you happen to speak a little bit differently than regular people. My daughter, who, you know, obviously I spend a lot of time with, she's three years old, Mike, and when she asks a question, when she gets to the end of it, she says, hey, Daddy, can I have a drink, yes or no, right? That, I mean, that is, to me, a little bit of what you're talking about here, where you are manipulating the person into answering in one of two ways. I mean, that's a sales technique. So I think that when it's talked about kind of at a scientific level uh, or when you use words like hypnotism or neuro-linguistic programming, it does sound scary, but I think that the best salespeople in the world have a little bit of a nuance and cadence to the way they talk, and they can repeat that every single day. And there is absolutely, uh, you know, is it hypnotism to get somebody to take their credit card out, Mike, every day that you do your job? Maybe a little bit. Well, that's interesting because, again, I had no idea what you're going to say. And now that I hear you say that, you've taken the edge off of my position a little bit because my position was pretty hardcore against it the way that I was thinking of it. And I think there's so much gray in this. And I think the way you started your answer was perfect by saying, you know, we use words all the time and words are powerful. And so I think my end position on this is, to do it the way you described, I have no problem with that. I think you're right. In sales, there's got to be some, some semi-specific or even specific languaging involved. But when it's taken to an extreme where the goal is to manipulate on some deep level, if that's possible, and again, I don't really know if it is or it isn't, this theory suggests that it is, I then sort of have a problem with it. Yeah. But that's but just that, my but, but, Yeah, but then, Mike, that's kind of like a gun discussion, you know, is – is the thing that's actually her, uh, harming someone the ability to use words a certain way, or is it just really an ethical and moral thing 
that the person that could do it, you know, shouldn't do it for evil. Like, I could be selling snake oil, Mike, trust me. I could be selling anything. And I just personally prefer to sell things I believe in. Everybody is not in that position. And so think about, you know, what is it like to be a Dial of America inside sales guy and to have to convince someone they really need that damn cruise. You know, if that's what it takes to feed your family, you may be willing to use some neuro-linguistic programming. Yeah, and I and the final thing I say I'll say on this is you also have to consider the the fiduciary responsibility angle to this, which is where I really get hung up on it in that if I'm for example a real a real example that a a realtor um, would it would perhaps encounter every day is you're sitting across a, a kitchen table from a potential seller and you're trying to convince them to list their home with you. Now, if you get the deal, they're going to be your client and you're going to have a fiduciary responsibility to them. So at what point is verbal manipulation kind of okay and at what point is it not okay given this yeah. legal, you know, and I know, I know you Well, no, so, it's, a, it's, a, it's interesting because you're going from saying hey, you should hire me, you should hire me, you know, maybe using some of these techniques, to then saying, okay, now that you hired me, I'll stop using them on you, I'll just go use them to sell your home. It's an interesting debate. I mean, I think that, you know, the best salespeople in the world are also some of the people that are the easiest to sell. And so uh, you kind of want that salesperson when they're representing your home, but maybe you don't want that salesperson at the listing appointment. So I think you have to find a balance, right? Agreed, and I think the distinction you just made there is one that I thought of earlier today too, which is, and I think there's validity to this thinking, which is it actually may be okay to be a little uh, more um, uh, able to use some of these techniques pre prior to the point at which they become a client. Once they become a client, it shuts off. Now, I don't know how many people can really do that, but I do think there could be a distinction there. So, you know what, Mike? It's for- kind of like it's kind of like the way you can shut off cursing around your parents. You can do it. Yeah, you're right. You can. I don't personally, but you can. <laughs> um, all right. So, thanks for your input on that, Chris. That was that was actually very interesting. Secondly, uh, another topic that came up in the last week is a case or actually it's a it's a series of cases involving a company called Iowa Realty. And what this company, which of course is based in Iowa, has done over the course of I guess it's the last 11 years is create a policy by which it will co-op with certain other companies on a radically limited basis. Specifically, they will offer a co-op commission to, in this case, Keller Williams, for $1. So if you're a Keller Williams agent in this particular market and you bring a buyer for a listing that is listed by Iowa Realty, they will co-op with you to the tune of $1 on a sale. Now, uh, the end of this story, or at least the most current uh, chapter in this story, um, Keller Williams Corporate collected um, from various places, from the agents in other places and probably from its own coffers, and uh, and came up with, I think it was $127,000, and they went to Mo Anderson, went to uh, Iowa, to Des Moines, and presented this giant check to all these agents in Des Moines to compensate them. These are the Keller Williams agents who were, who were deprived of their rightful commissions and uh, to make them whole. So 
I find this interesting. Again, there's so many different elements to this in terms of, you know, legalities. Apparently, it is legal. The, the requirement is only that you cooperate. Uh, you don't necessarily have to cooperate financially to any particular level. So I found this interesting. And and you and again, you and I again, Chris, have never discussed this. What are your thoughts on that whole thing? Sure. I mean, man, what a what an interesting case. I mean, my I have a couple a couple insights. So I was at Keller Williams Family Reunion when they basically announced that they had the most agents in the country, right? And then yep. on the heels of that, Mike, I went to about five other conferences of different companies. And you can imagine that that was part of the conversation, right? And so where where I have I have two opinions here. I'm happy to state them both. This is what happens when you're an entrepreneur. You can say whatever you want. Uh, my first opinion is that if you're this bitter about what Keller Williams done in your market, and you're so bitter that you're doing stuff like this, then there's no way you're getting better. So Iowa Realty, in my opinion, by even spending the time on doing this should have been spending that time making their realtors better at what they do for the buyers and sellers, not focused on their competition, who, no matter how they're doing it, is obviously putting a little bug in their crawl. Right, Mike? So Absolutely. I want people to focus always on getting better, and typically being bitter publicly doesn't help that. Okay? So for me, Iowa Realty kind of looks kind of like those firms that pulled their listings off CRT. When the dust settled, they looked more bitter been better, didn't they? So for me, that, that's a bad look. Now, the, where the other argument would be is that they are so tired of dealing with rookies, right? They are so tired of, of sending people to Keller Williams agents who don't do a great job that this is actually them doing a service to their company. Well, to me, this is adults acting like children to take it this route, Mike. So the fact that not only has this uh, distracted Iowa Realty from focusing on their company getting better. It's also now had thousands of people on Facebook leaving hundreds of comments also discussing it. To me, this is anti-productive at its best. And it's also very unprofessional to even do things like this. You know, here's what people in Iowa need to know and people like ARG. When you put some shit on YouTube, people find out. When you want to make a big statement, and you want to kind of do a little local thing to kind of kind of puff your chest out, Inman News is going to write about that shit. So so take take that step very cautiously, is my opinion. I agree with everything you just said there. And, and, and the final analysis for me on this is um, I can't imagine being an Iowa Realty listing agent and sitting down with a seller and having to explain this to them. How do you explain it? What do you say? And to me, it, it you it would it would come off so it would come off as so petty, and so child childish um, that I couldn't I just couldn't picture it. And, and in my opinion, you would exactly. have to bring this up. I, don't I mean, you would have to mention. Dirty, yeah, I don't care about your industry stupid dirty laundry. Listen, Mike. People have one night stands with real estate every six years. They don't care about the inner workings of what we deal with. And to take it to where it impacts the consumer who's selling their home. I mean, I don't know the setup of K-Dub in Des Moines, but I bet they at least have a couple agents that are good, okay? And to, to take a stance that would cause talented people with networks of buyers to not bring those buyers to the listings that your company was putting on the market, this is where you have legal problems, I think, Mike. I'm not sure. 
Well, apparently they don't, but I but I agree with you. I agree with everything you said there, and it's certainly the spirit of it. And also, as you probably know, this Iowa Realty has done this to other firms before KW. So KW was not the sole target of these practices. So this firm just seems to have a problem of some sort. And this I think is it's a, unfortunate. Unfortunately, this is what this this is a recruiting and retaining stint that spilled over into the public perception, and now it's a nightmare. That's what I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So thanks for your thought on that. And now we'll move on to our third and, and most uh, most interesting of the three topics, actually, um, which is something that just started, I believe it was about two and a half days ago. Uh, actually, it was on March 25th. So two days ago, a blogger uh, in Phoenix wrote a blog post which described her uh, experience in attempting to buy a home. And the title of that, of that article, bear with me for a moment, um, uh, I got it. Why? I got why our real estate reporter dumped her realtor and why it worked. Exactly. Sorry for that, and thank you, Chris. So that's the title of the article, and in this article, she goes on to describe that process. And I don't want to take the time to explain it all because there's just too much to it. But the gist of it is. She said a lot of things that it appears she might not have wanted to say. Um, Jay Thompson of Zillow posted that blog post in the Raise the Bar Facebook group, and I've heard it's been posted everywhere. But in the Raise the Bar Facebook group, last time I looked, there were 527 comments, which all took place really within about a 30 to 36-hour period. Um, a whole bunch of comments were written on the blog itself, which has Facebook a Facebook feed right there on the, on the uh, website. So there were all kinds of comments that were made. And I would invite people who are listening, if you're interested, to go read this because it's just fascinating to see what this person wrote. And then even more interestingly is that the blogger started revising the blog post. She started actually editing what she had originally written because of the firestorm that create, was created in the aftermath. So all these issues come up in terms of, you know, why did she fire the first agent? Because if you read it, it's sort of sketchy. You know, I read it and I thought, really, what did she do wrong? Why did she get fired? The second agent appears to have done a number of things which were questionable, which I'll allow you to read and draw your own conclusions. Then you have the issue of journalistic integrity in terms of, is this person even qualified to write about real estate? Because when you read what she wrote, and if you know anything about real estate, you could logically conclude that, especially as a first-time homebuyer, is this person in position to be writing about real estate, which is part of her job? And so I've seen some really controversial issues come and go um, you know, in real estate, but this one, honestly, is right up there with the biggest I've seen in terms of the incredible outpouring of commentary and the consistency of that commentary in terms of all these wrong things that were done. So again, Chris, we haven't talked about this what do you know about this, and what do you think? I mean, one of my problems with stories like this, Mike, is that when you check the story and you see that the reporters, you know, what would be considered cute, to me that's sometimes the only reason it's a story, which I think is unfortunate. So I hate these stories, and I think it's, you know, I hate that they happen, but I think the problem is that you have this person that writes about real estate every now and then, and there are so many legal uh, I mean, listen, Mike, I get it all the time because I'm not, you know, doing every single, you know, 
step that a realtor does from a legal perspective. And so sometimes we give advice where we go, whoops, we shouldn't have said that. You know, to be able to just think that every now and then you can hop in and write about real estate and, and get it right. I mean, I, I think that this is this comes down not to this girl. Her name is Christina Hansen. She's on Twitter. Uh, her email is khansen at bizjournals.com. For me, Mike, this isn't about her. This is about the editor of that publication not having uh, enough insight into what she was doing. Anytime you have to start an article, here's the first sentence on the first page. Anytime you start an article, she may have even changed it to make it less mean. But when it says, uh, I'm not here to publicly bash our previous realtor because she doesn't deserve it. When you as a journalist feel the need to make that a point in paragraph two, that's a red flag that the editor has to catch. I agree with you. In fact, it's funny you say that because that was the biggest conclusion that I reached after thinking about this now for, you know, two days. Is, you know, we can blame the we can blame the writer, we can blame the agent who ultimately represented her, but at the end of the day, it was the editor's responsibility yeah. to review it, it was. that. Yep. Yeah. And my, I agree. by the way, here we go. Here's her response right now. After an outpouring of comments, uh, I need to clarify some points. So you guys made a difference here. She said, considering the tone of the comments from the real estate community, I realized I may have been able to better characterize the significance of the business relationship between our agent and the seller's agent. So good for you guys, because this is on that same blog right now, you know, a full rebuttal. Love it. Well, yeah, because if you read it, she said some things that were just, you, you, I couldn't believe that they were in print. She said that, um, her agent, who was it, worked at the same brokerage as the listing agent, basically got together, and I'm summarizing now, but they conspired. I mean, there's no other way to say it. It was um, the original quote said literally this. It said, our agent told us we didn't have to offer more. And oh, by the way, there were there were multiple offers. So yeah. uh, again, I don't want to I don't want to get too deep into this. I mean, you've you've really hit the nail on the head in terms of what the real big points were. You know, I think again, as you, to summarize, you know, why do you let somebody write about a topic that they only write about occasionally? I, and I understand how that happens. But secondly, and most importantly, the editor's got to step up and take responsibility for what goes out into the world. And thirdly, to me, this is just another classic example of the power of social media. When you know somebody can post something and have um, you know 525 comments just in the group that I created, not to mention all the other groups that were talking about this, not to mention what was right there on the blog post itself, I'll be willing to bet you there are probably a thousand comments written on this in the span of two days. That just goes it, to show it, you the power. It, it really is. It really is, and I think for for those of us that you know have somewhat of a public persona. I think both of us do, Mike, a little bit. And I think a person like this that's a reporter, you know, kind of has the look of a reporter. You know, to me, you have to be even exponentially more careful because it's your career. It's not just, uh, you know, this is where you don't read the part about her quietly getting let go, my friend. Uh, I was wondering about that, too. You're right. Okay, so, Chris, thank you so much for weighing in on those three issues. It was exact, You did exactly what I hoped you would do. You brought your unique spin on things, and um, 
once again show me what a what a smart and sharp guy you are. I've always thought that one of your greatest gifts was the ability to um, absorb lots of information and make quick analyses and judgments on things, and you're one of the best I've ever seen at that. So thank you for sharing that with us. Um, so now let's move on to what you're really here to do, which is to bring us up to speed on the life of Chris Smith, which, again, is my opinion is you know one of the most interesting lives, and you're one of the most interesting people in our industry. In fact, I really can't think of anyone who is more interesting. So let's start by, you know again, you were here about two and a half years ago. Give us a quick thumbnail sketch of the highlights of that two and a half years, and then we'll drill down deeper into whichever of those points you want to talk more about. Sure. Well, thank you. And I mean, I think uh, it's hard for me to pinpoint like two and a half years ago, but I will say that I spent my first three years in the industry with a company called Move Inc. And I spent the first two years uh, driving to real estate offices in Florida for two hour appointments where I'd sit with a couple people. Uh, A good day would have been 10 people. Uh, A regular day would have been three. And then you're also kind of hoping that there's at least someone half the time and so I spent about two years uh, probably belly-to-belly belly with, I don't know, thirty or 40,000 realtors over that sp- span, uh, c- including trade shows. And I also did uh, one-on-one follow-up with everybody that bought software from me. And so, you know, during that time uh, is where I kind of learned my craft. I mean, I knew the web. I knew tech. I knew social. I knew stuff like that just because I'm from that generation, but where I really learned – you know, things like FISBOs and expireds and scripts and prospecting and who Mike Ferry was and all that shit, you know, was from going to real estate offices twice a day, every day for two years. And then as I had some success in my area in Florida, I started a Facebook page called Tech Savvy Agent, and, you know, that wasn't contained just to the state. So people from all over the country started finding it, liking it, becoming a fan, And I was quite simply just sharing what I would share in the offices during the day at at, at night, you know, because I just liked it a lot. And so I'll never forget, Mike, my first appointment ever was actually at a Keller Williams office in Clearwater. And I was about 15 minutes into my presentation. I was so nervous. And, you know, there was like seven people there all over 60 years old. And they were really (laughs) into the presentation. They were laughing when they were supposed to laugh. Like I was feeling great about it. And one of the, like, older ladies in the back raised her hand, and she said, hey, Chris, you know, we know it's your first day, and we know that, you know, you're excited, you're doing so great, but about 30 days ago, this guy came and did the same presentation, and we bought everything that he sold. You guys are on to something. And we thought you were going to come in here today and help us, okay? And so right then, I'm like, wow, you know, uh, kind of a bait and switch, but sure, let's, let's do a little training. And so I said, well, everybody grab your computer and, you know, open up the Internet, and that took about five minutes, Mike, right? And then <laughs> watching them, you know, use AOL and watching them open multiple windows instead of multiple tabs and showing them things like print screen and, you know, F11 to kind of expand a browser, I started to realize that you think you need my help with Top Producer. What you really need my help with is just, this digital revolution, and you're a digital immigrant, and I'm a digital native. So I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to teach you everything I know about the web and about consumer behavior, and you're going to buy whatever the hell I sell you was kind of the agreement. And I built an awesome <laughs> following. People loved me. 
and whether they ever used the software or not, you know, the value add was, was exponentially greater because things like search engine optimization, Facebook marketing, mobile apps, you know, you can teach people that stuff, and, you know, it's very non-threatening. Um, and anyway, long story short, as a part of working for that company and having success, uh, Move Incorporated sponsored the Inman News Agent Reboot Tour, which is the one you're talking about happening right now uh, in Seattle. And so as a vendor, as a sponsor for Realtor.com and Top Producer, I was asked to join the tour. And in my typical fashion, like you said, you know, I don't think you thought I got up there and gave a 20-minute sales pitch. You know, you thought I got up there and, and really just captivated an audience in an industry. And so that yeah, was always my yeah, that was my approach. And you know, I never I never tried to sell Realtor.com from the stage. And you know, I toured for with Inman, you know, working for Move for about a year. And as you get to know people, and as you know, relationships form, and you know, there's a lot of camaraderie when you travel with people. You know, it just started to become a natural next step for me to kind of go and maybe work for Inman. Uh, as the next step in my career because I was passionately selling things that I had no skin in the game, you know, things like apps and things like iPads and things like Google, you know, so why not do that for a news organization as opposed to a technology company where you always had to kind of close at the end and sell some type of software. And so I joined Inventus and, you know, spent about a year uh, with Inman, it did a bunch of stuff there. But i got to take a breath. You know, I, I think hopefully that catches people up. And one of the cool things, Mike, is I have great relationships with all the companies that I've worked with in the past. And so, for example, you know, Realtor.com, who's kind of operated with NAR, I just wrote an article for Realtor Magazine, you know, who it, it, on some levels is a competition with Inman. And so I've just kind of been somehow blessed, I think, because of so much travel and so many people that, you know, I'm kind of this one guy that's kind of allowed to work with everybody and doesn't get in trouble, you know? Yeah, and thank you for that. I appreciate it, and I agree with everything you said. Once you catch your breath, why don't you summarize for the listeners what it is you wrote in that uh, article in Realtor Magazine, and I wanted to also formally congratulate you for that because you and I had a brief exchange about that the day it happened, and um, uh, I reached out and congratulated you because, in my opinion, that's a pretty big deal, you know, to be featured in a in a publication of that stature. Uh and not not that it was not that you hadn't done a whole bunch of other stuff on par with that before, but just yeah. to add that to your to your uh to your belt I thought was impressive. So if you want and if you don't want to, you don't have to, but can you summarize for the listeners exactly yeah. what you were talking about in that article? No, I'd love to because I think that's probably where the most takeaways are. And you know, when I when I decided that I wanted to become an entrepreneur and, you know, basically kind of start, uh, instead of my brand, you know, for a long time, my brand was Tech Savvy Agent, Mike. And then, you know, with the time that I spent with Enman, my brand was Enman, and it was Enman Next, and it was Agent Reboot. And, you know, just the evolution of how people's careers unfold, at some point you decide, you know what, uh, I, you know, just like a realtor, you know, I want to I wanna have my own brand. I want to own my own brand. And so while I appreciate what those companies have done for me, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to launch something special that's mine, that I own. And so I've never owned, I never owned Inman News. I hope people thought that just because I was did such a good job of evangelizing, but I never owned Inman News. I certainly never owned Realtor.com, good Lord. So, you know, I was just so, <laughs> so you know, focused on brand building 
you know, for myself, but I just never built the Chris Smith brand. And so anyway, so when I when I decided to build my own brand, which you know is now uh, a project with Jimmy uh, called Curator, you know, we went through all the challenges people go through in, number one, just getting attention online because it's so noisy, but then number two, you know, actually building a brand online that's worth connecting with. And so we just gave some quick tips in the piece uh, about having a bio written by somebody that's not you. You know, using a professional copywriter to write a bio and to maybe even interview some of your past clients as to what the bio should say. Uh, use something like SurveyMonkey or Google Doc. Ask your family and friends the words that describe you. You know, what are the, you know, share some bios that are powerful for you. And, and the idea of kind of understanding back to what we started with that words matter. You know, getting a new bio is very simple. So when you go from chief evangelist for Inman News to MC of Agent Reboot to co-MC of Connect and chief paper killer for Dot Loop, I mean, that's a weird bio, Mike. And so I had to go through that, so I just shared, you know, how I came up with a new bio. New logo is an easy one. You know, the curator logo, we use the crowdsourced website called 99designs. When we work with consulting clients, we use that site. We do the $800 option which brings in an insanely good work. And even though local designers are great, I don't care. They don't design you 800 iterations. Um, and then the last couple of things were just, right now you can be different by having a mobile responsive website and search. Uh, we're working with a client named Susanna Murphy. We sent an email out and did some marketing for her around uh, the iPad uh, version and the iPhone version of her site that launched you know, things about drooling on the screen and that it's only right that as a consumer looking for a home, you can bring all the great things that we offer you with you now. And that stuff does, it's doing great for local agents and brokers, not just our idea. You know, we ship that for them. So I talked about companies like Agent Evolution. You know Nicole very well. Uh, I know my man Jim Marks has a new theme coming out. You know, Ina from Ha Media and then Playster, you know, some of the leading WordPress-focused design firms, you know, they're not building anything that's not mobile, you know, moving forward. You know, and then the last thing is just kind of being so excited about what you're launching that you actually promote it before the day it launches. So the idea that Apple, you know, would only start promoting the iPad the day it was on the shelf is insane. They do the press conference. They put a little bit of information out there. A couple weeks later, it's on the shelf. So a lot of people they put their head down, Mike, and like, you know, you've worked on VPA, you've worked on Frugal, you've worked on all this stuff. You put your head down and you're so focused on building a great product that you forget you might want to tell some people that you're building it. Um, and, of course, hopefully the most influential people. Um, so just some tips on that. So, you know, if I'm going to write an article for NAR, if it's going to be in Realtor Magazine, you know, for me, that's when you kind of dust off the 1,500-word uh, stuff, you know? Yeah, and those are those are that's sort of an outstanding collection of thoughts and ideas, and um, that was a great s summation that you gave us there. And I, I wanted to um, amplify one point you made there about the mobile thing because we could talk for two hours about that topic. But that's one that the more I think about it, the more I research it, the more I think you know agents just really need to get on board with understanding what's going on there. And you know, and then and then take what they learn and put it back down into their businesses. Because as an example, 
I don't know if you saw Eric Quammen's latest video, which came out, I believe it was yesterday or the day before. And for those listening who don't know who Eric Quammen is, Eric is the author of Social Nomics. He was the creator of that video called uh, Social Media Revolution, which has been viewed, I think it's over 5 million times now. And um, uh, I also want to mention he's been on our show before, which was quite an honor. But in any event, he came out with a new video about mobile. And the stats there are just staggering. And, and then a second point I'll make to, to amplify that point is that uh, a gentleman named Joe Winpasinger shared with me yesterday something he found that showed that 26% of all views of the NCAA basketball tournament are now happening on mobile devices. That was just one of those like breakthrough moments in my mind where it's like, oh my God, you know, I think I'm thinking pretty progressively, but that stat was so far out beyond what even I expected. I mean, again, what are your thoughts on that stat alone? Well, you know, I was saying the future is in your pants, Mike, and people would laugh, you know. Right. Uh, but th th that's what we meant. And some of those projections that we saw even back at Agent Reboot when we met, those the years we were talking about are now. So when you were watching me talk about mobile in 2009 or 2010, I was telling you that in 2014 is when the, when the tipping point was going to occur. Well, that's kind of like next year. So, you know, we, we, we have caught up to some of those projections, and everything I'm working on, I can promise you, involves getting into the mobile ecosystem, whether that's Dot Loop, whether that's Curator, whether that's Water Cooler, whether that's all my cool stuff no one even knows about. I promise you that my number one priority for the next five years is being a part of the mobile ecosystem because that's where all the attention will be. Yeah, and you're right about that stat, the 2014 crossover, as I refer to it, when all the projections show that mobile usage will eclipse desktop usage. Uh, I think the ramifications of that are staggering. Again, it's like when I think about how my personal habits have changed, where I said this recently somewhere, that I now, I, I honestly believe that I watch more video or TV on my iPhone than I do on the TV. Uh, I'm not kidding you. I now go to bed at 9 o'clock and watch Sons of Anarchy or uh, Jim Gaffigan or Louis C.K. Or, or something on my iPhone for an hour or two or sometimes yeah. three before yeah. I go to bed. And I, I prefer it. I, I would rather yeah. lay in bed with an iPhone than sit in front of my TV. And, and well, you, I'm not you, you, know what's, you know what's funny is people still use their TV. They use it for, they use it to get to the computer inside of it. It's got the DVR, you know? So that is about the last thing I do with my TV is either use the computer element of my TV to get on demand movies or to watch shows that were recorded. And so, you know, with, with YouTube and uh, some of the things even more recently, like Vine, I mean, you're seeing it, uh, what, you know, the bandwidth, and, and I think really what happened, Mike, is this kind of LTE. When, when your phone just became faster than your computer and your router at your office, now video can truly flourish. And even, you know, the C21 announcement with, with vScreen, uh, I know every, like I put out a video with Fox and Roach out of Philly. People should look it up. It's awesome. And it was literally about the mobile revolution, and it was a video about it. 
and it's already got a couple thousand views on YouTube, and it's literally what you're saying is like, I wonder if people understand that this is such a big deal you could market it. Well, this company hired an ad agency that's super, super uh, elite client list. They hired me, and we put out some video messaging about the importance of the mobile revolution. And this is a firm, Mike, that sells one out of every four homes in Philly and one out of every two over a million. And so it's not just Zillow anymore who can market this. It's not just Realtor.com that has a cool app. The brokerages and the agents have to also em- embrace that they they can be cool too. They can be in iTunes too. You know. Oh, I agree. So let's let's talk now a little bit more specifically about some of the projects you've mentioned here in 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 passing. Um, let's start with Dot Loop. Um, what's your role at Dot Loop? And for the few people who might be listening who don't know what Dot Dot Loop is, why don't you tell them about it? Sure. Well, Dotloop is such a cool company, Mike. You know, the CEO's name is Austin Allison. He got into the real estate industry when he was 17. He had, you know, kind of put together a little bit of money when he was in high school. He lived in Cincinnati in, in kind of the Kentucky area. And he bought a home for, I don't know, thirty, forty thousand 40000 bucks. He put like three grand down. And, and as the, you know, as a 17-year-old kid, you know, he just thought, wow, that was pretty archaic. Uh, you know, and then he realized that it obviously wasn't extremely difficult at that time uh, to be a realtor. The person that helped him wasn't, you know, didn't blow him away. So he wanted to sell real estate as a way to make money during law school. And so when he got his real estate license and he went out there kind of as an agent, he had already been a buyer at a young age. And now he went out there at 18 years old as an agent working with, you know, our industry and how we like to roll. He just thought right away, man, there must be a better way to handle this whole contract setup. And so where, while everybody else focused on digitizing paper, you know, going from print and paper to electronic and clickable, he was actually focused on building an ecosystem for people to kind of collectively work on paper. So instead of it being kind of a PDF with a button, the way DocuSign would kind of build themselves, he actually was thinking more about, how can we take a process with a buyer's agent, listing agent, and then two couples? You have six people on the side of about 70% or more deals. And so even when you pass the document around and click on it, it still is kind of a uh, the old document's kind of null and void. It's a very manual process. So if you think about like Evernote, which I know you're such a big fan of, if you think about Dropbox, if you think about Words with Friends, with mobile, and again, with just kind of bandwidth and, and kind of data speed, we can now work collaboratively. So the way on Words with Friends, there's one Scrabble board, and you and I are both using it at the same time, he patented a technology called Version Now. And so there's never more than one version of a document. If somebody makes a change, and that version in the past would have kind of had to get thrown away, well, all it does is it archives the version that was there at that point, and then it notifies all parties that they need to take action because a change was made. So it's a very kind of a poll collaboration kind of a software, and it's growing like nuts. Uh, people tell us it changes their lives, keeps every transaction kind of arm's length away, and really we're just riding the wave of the obvious need to become a truly paperless 
uh, experience when people have that experience with real estate. You know, they pay with Square and a cab. They pay with an app at Starbucks. And then they call somebody in our industry and they, you know, ask them if they have a scanner and a VCR, you know? No, that's a great concept. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge proponent of all of that, again, because it's inevitable, it's obvious, and kudos to to Austin for, you know, for doing what he's done because, like you know, I, I think that this concept is going to just mushroom out into every possible application it can find. And I'm... You know, I don't really focus on selling real estate anymore personally, so I've sort of missed this revolution, this paperless revolution as an agent. But yeah. I've used it a couple times recently in other contexts, you know, where I had to sign a contract for something. Yep. And uh, i got to tell you, it's just a, it's just cool, you know, to be yeah. able to do it all digitally. It's fast. You know, I'll, I'll be very candid with you and tell you that I'm not much of, an, of a green, you know, like ecological person. Yeah. Um, I, I won't even bore you with why that is, but I'm just not. But, yeah. but even that aside, I just love the efficiency of it. I love the ease of it. I love the fact that it saves yeah. you time and effort and explanation, and it makes you look more professional and more cutting edge, et cetera. Yeah. So congratulations to you on your role there. How do you like yeah, Cincinnati? I, and, yeah, well, Cincinnati's awesome. I mean, I still live in Brooklyn, and you know, I'm, I'm obviously working on other things beyond Dot Loop, but the ability to work with a company that's been – uh, you know, I'm writing their coattails, Mike, to be fair. You know, they uh, had a great brand. If you've met everybody that knows the guys from Dot Loop, love them. You know, that we try to run the company like Zappos runs their company. So we don't really focus on who else is out there and, you know, what feature they have versus our feature. We have on May 1st uh, version 2 rolling out. And it was built by the guy that built the Yahoo Fantasy Football app, which is just absolutely, a, you know, 18 million people use it, and not one of them has to kind of get, like, customer support. So, you know, companies a lot of time put out version 1.1, 0.1, And, you know, we are truly rolling out version 2 on May 1st, which will be the first time anybody's seeing my input into the product. So I'm pumped. Awesome. And again, congratulations on your role there. And when I ask about Cincinnati, yeah, I know you still live in Brooklyn. I was just curious because I had assumed you'd made multiple trips there and was yeah. just curious as to what you thought of it. I love it there. I go there all the time. You know I lived in Cleveland, so for me it's it, it, it's very comfortable to go there. And they have such a cool culture and uh, such an awesome team. I mean, we're over 100 employees now, Mike. So, you know, these kids that have ideas that change the world, you know, you don't see it every day but it impacts so many people. I mean, there's 100 people in Cincinnati that feed their family because of Austin right now. So that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, a side note, I met a, I met a kid, um, when I say kid, he's 30 years old, who's from Cincinnati, who grew up with um, someone, I believe, who's one of the major equity holders there in Dot Loop. And I've been meaning to tell you that story, but I just, you know, I, I haven't talked to you to tell you, but you want to talk about a smaller world. It's it's yep. crazy. So so let's move on to uh, talk about Curator. What is Curator? Why did you create it? What does it do? Where is it going, et cetera? Well, you know, you obviously were, were kind of a part of creating it because of Raise the Bar and your involvement with Frugal. But Curator uh, you know, as it stands today, we wanted to build something that we could build and put out there that would be useful 
even if we couldn't spend a lot of time developing it right now. And so Curator.com is quite literally a, a collection of 80,000 conversations about real estate that you can search, you can look up by user, by keyword. You know, Mike mentioned, uh, what have we talked about just today? Professionalism, ethics, legal issues. So all of those conversations, what happens is they're kind of like a Craigslist ad. That's how I explain it, Mike. You know, you put a Craigslist ad up on Monday, and you can't even find it by Wednesday because there's so many other ads being posted. Well, one of the one of the downsides of having, you know, it's kind of a, a first-world problem, but one of the downsides of having a big, successful, active Facebook group is that those conversations that are awesome, they do just disappear within probably what, Mike, three to five days. They're pretty much gone. And, and so we just wanted to take those conversations because they've been about what products to buy, how to get the most leads, how to not waste time, how to hire, how to recruit, how to grow. In my opinion, Mike, if we all just would stop learning and start doing, we'd be a better industry. There is more information just in curator.com than one practitioner or broker could ever implement in a lifetime. So what I look at that is a knowledge base of best practices that were shared by the people who do the work, not the Christmas and, you know, Jeff Turner's and Gaylord's and Chad Bolt's and Michael McClure's of the world who kind of more so advise the people that do the work. And so it's, a, it's, it's just a gold mine of knowledge that has been vetted by the people who do the work so there's no bullshit that makes it through. And, and that's why I think people love it. So use it as like Wikipedia. You know, use it like you use Google. When you want to find information about mobile apps, you could go to Google and find a million articles, none of which would have been written by a realtor. Or you can go to uh, Curator and you can find thousands of articles and when, what's cool, Mike, is when you click and when you find a conversation where you'd like to see how the discussion unfolded, it just takes you to Facebook. And so there's no revenue. There's no ads. We didn't sell out to Zillow and give them a banner at the top. You know, that is not the business model. We could care less about that. We just want to create kind of a Wikipedia of knowledge. So that's what Curator is. And we have big plans for it in the future uh, but you'll see it stay that way for probably the next year. And uh, and I think it's a great concept. In fact, I use it all the time because I, you're right. You know the frustration I have with Facebook, and 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 I don't know what's going on because you know it varies from day to day. But oftentimes I'll go in and search on a keyword within Facebook, which you can of course do, and it will not it will not paginate past the first page of results. You know how at the bottom of the search it'll say you know more results. And those more results don't work, and um, and the curator interface is just so much easier to use than that. Plus, I you know I do have um, you know a little uh, full disclosure. I have some uh, be, you know some better understanding of curator than I'm letting on here publicly. But I know you guys have plans to do more with it in the future, and I know you're going to add more bells and whistles. And I look forward yeah. to that happening. Yeah, as well, well. We're, we're, I'll give people the long-term vision, Mike. The long-term vision is that we want to go after Google because we think that the way Google operates as a search engine is broken because if you search something like Zillow or if you search something like real estate, you get 38 billion results and you choose one of three. And what we want to do is just reverse engineer search so that the way Kayak does their marketing, they say one and done. 
you can search kayak and we'll go search all the other stuff. Well, that's what we're going to turn curator into, one and done. If you search Zillow or real estate, there's one result, and then inside of the result, there's living, breathing streams that are curated around that topic from the social web. So every blog post about Zillow, every YouTube video about Zillow, every status update Zillow's page is doing, every tweet it's doing, every Vine it's doing. So we're going to curate everything a brand puts out there, and we're going to put that right next to everything people put out there about that brand. And we think that the consumer sentiment versus the company sentiment will be a really cool search engine. And uh, if you think about things like travel, like Costa Rica, you know, you could go to CostaRica.com, you could go to, you know, Wikipedia's Costa Rica page, you could go to TripAdvisor. But what would be neat, Mike, is what if I could see a picture or a video or a blog post that was written about Costa Rica last night or right now? And that's what the social web brings us. So all this content that Qualaman talks about, all these videos and updates, we are just wrapping our heads around how can we organize that and make it useful. So we've given up on content creation. We're 100% trying to take the content people build and reorganize it and make it useful. And that's just the beginning of Curator, and we got a long way to go, but uh, people are excited about the idea. So I want to warn you that we have three minutes and 25 seconds left. How we got here, I don't know, but we did. So I know we had intended to talk about uh, water cooler, which I'd like to do, uh, but I yeah. just wanted to let you know that we have now three minutes and 10 seconds yeah. left, so use that remaining three minutes however you want. Sure. Well, let me just say really quickly, the water cooler is the most fun I'm having. So if you go to curator, C-U-R-A-Y-T-O-R.com slash uh, curator.com slash iTunes, we have kind of a hit show on our hands. We get about 3,000 viewers a week between the live show and the next day. And it's me and Jimmy literally talking the way people talk at the end of a conference. So if you go to Inman Connect all day or Retso or you go to one of these local tech fairs, what happens after the conference is always the best part. What people talk about and, and kind of digest at the bar is better than the keynote sometimes, right, Mike? So, you know, what we decided was let's just have those conversations on the Internet using a Google Hangout. We're live every Wednesday night at 9.05. So if anybody wants to watch tonight, tonight at 9.05 p.m., we're bringing on Mike Gardner, millionaire agent from uh, uh, Malibu, and he's going to talk about blogging for dollars. So we've had Gary Gold. We've had Raj Kazar. We bring on a practitioner, and we just kind of shoot the shit with them. So please check out Water Cooler, you guys. I'm really proud of it. And if you don't like curses, cursing, you know, you're not going to like me anyway. So just don't watch it. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that, Mike, is how much was that, a minute and a half? So have one minute left, basically? You have one minute and 45 seconds. Yeah. All right, cool. The last thing I'll say is that, you know, I wanted to use this opportunity to talk about what I'm going to do next. And what I'm going to do next is what I think everybody should do next that's listening less. I think everybody should start focusing on doing less, better, and that's what I'm going to focus on. So at the end of April, I'm actually going to take a hiatus from uh, traveling and speaking, and I'm going to focus on working with Dotloop, developing Curator, making the water cooler great, and then doing kind of a couple side projects, hopefully writing a book, Mike. I'd love to do that. And, you know, for me, uh, everything right now is about 
you know, trying to find a better work-life balance, trying to look at everything I have on the board and saying which of these things is truly impactful. And I know the water cooler, people love it, and it's fun. I know Dotloop has an opportunity to change the industry. You know, I love what we're, what we're building with Curator. So what's next for me is just a lot less, a lot less travel, a lot less keynotes, and a lot more operating. Yeah, and you know that's the that's the double-edged sword of the social media experiences that a person like you, you know, gets all these opportunities and it's really hard to say no because many of them are worth pursuing. And so finding that balance between, you know, the carpe diem philosophy of seizing opportunities and not then turning around and killing yourself with doing so much. I I can only imagine what a challenge that is for you. We have 10 seconds left, Chris. I just want to I just want to say thank you. Um so great to catch up with you. Thank you for being on this show and I hope it certainly won't be another two and a half years before you come back again. Mike, thanks for having me. Talk to you soon, brother. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.